Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode here with your host. The D is silent. It is August 19th, about 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon, and I want to start building this episode as we get it filled out and built out. Um, I want to talk about the Sandman a little bit. I know... I covered a couple of movies in the last one, in the last podcast. I'm tentatively building this episode with a little bit involving the Sandman. And I'm going to probably, maybe the House of Gucci, or I don't know if it's House of Gucci or just Gucci, the movie, which I have mixed reviews about as well. Um, and then also, uh, just some, just some talk, maybe some concerts. I'll get back to going to concert here. Got to get back into shape, but let's get into it as I start building this episode. Let's talk about the Sandman on Netflix. I give it two thumbs up. Um, as I stated in the last episode, I watched Prey, I watched Uncharted, and I watched uh, Lightyear, Buzz Lightyear. But the Sandman obviously is a mini series, or it's a series. Um, it's like ten episodes long. Now, when I started watching it, I didn't know it had anything to do. I don't. Sometimes I find out about shit way later. I'm not like a big fan of some franchises, or I don't follow things. Like as well as I should But I do see things and I'm like Oh I'm vaguely interested in that I should watch it Sandman is one of those I didn't know anything about it I just I seen a castle I seen some dragons I seen magic I seen several things And I was like Okay this looks like something I would like to watch um, That kind of piques my interest That kind of um, Stuff So at that point in time I was like let me fire it up. And I fired it up. And the first episode is... In and of itself is crazy. Because... It, you know... You don't really know what's going on. At first. Unless I guess you... Follow the comic books. Or I don't know if there's even a video game of it. Or what's out there. Linked to this... Um, universe. Because it is definitely a universe. It's, there's... Definitely, there's so many avenues that could go on it. Um, which I'm kind of, this is where the review is two thumbs up, but I'm kind of wondering if they're going to go for a Marvel esque adaptation of this. And it has a lot to do with Constantine, the movie, while not directly, but it is directly. But also indirectly revolving around them. Um, in the beginning, you don't know what's going on. But it's like episode two, they immediately jump into the Constantine universe. And the Sandman, he is the Lord of Dreams. He's the the leader of the dream world. Uh, you get in... You get... Um, introduced to you know the Corinthian right off the bat but you don't know his name but he's right off the bat um, the dream the dream king he goes through several names the dream king uh, he's in charge of the dream realm and in charge of the humans dreams uh, obviously they make it really important that humans have dreams in the world and not to and people chase dreams obviously you know even nowadays I mean it kind they kind of based it in sort of a reality which is what I did like about it even though it's completely fantasy a lot of men chase dreams a lot of women chase their dreams you've had dreams you know you could never have never dreamed of such a moment and it happens and the real world merges with your dream world and you start living a dream it's never happened to me personally. Well, then again, it has, but um, 
but he's a his realm is the dream world and he's just as powerful as the devil or morning star lucifer he's just as powerful as god is i would assume or you know you know a god um death is a god there's a realm of death there's there's all kinds of these people that you get introduced to throughout the season and but he is the king of the dream so it's loosely based around of what happens when you fall asleep he's got the ability to track you down if you're asleep as soon as you fall asleep he can get into your dreams and then locate you based off of your dream which i thought was kind of cool as a power he's also got the power to manipulate dreams um He's got the power to um, basically he can he can grant immortality in a, in a sense um, as which is the case is with his friends that he tells would you like to live a hundred years and find out when he comes back if he still wants to be living and that guy does and he does so for like 500 years and uh that guy is enjoying life which dream thought wasn't wouldn't be the case um as the story evolves and devolves a little bit more the dream gets trapped in the very beginning he gets uh caught up in a spell that imprisons him for like 100 years they say or 130 years something like that while he is a prisoner of said he loses his sand, loses his ruby, he loses his raven, he loses his mask that he wears. Those all get separated into the earth and when he finally gets released, um, he's on a mission to go track, track all that down. Meanwhile, his realm, the dream realm is in disarray. Uh, it's practically merged with it's actually practically obliterated and um, you come to find out that there's a lot you know there's death desire delirium uh, you know despair a lot of them have basically I don't know if it's all human emotions that have a realm but basically um, each one of them are trying to, much like the gods of of old, like Zeus, they're playing politics with humans and they're trying to one up each other and to see who's the more powerful god or gods. And basically, essentially, you know, he lost his power, and some of the other gods were taking place. Now his nightmares, his uh, minions, which is nightmares. There's Gaul. Uh, there's several of them. The Nightmare One, Corinthian, is on the loose in the human world, uh, killing people left and right. And he becomes a psycho serial killer. Um, now, he carries a ruby that can grant you whatever whatever you dream happens in real life. Um, that's his ruby. The sand grants you... I don't know what the sand gives you, but it's not supposed to be touched by humans. And... Um, causes one character to age rather ungracefully and die within months uh and he you know and in the story he meets constantine uh a female version of constantine which i actually love because they kind of took away her powers from her and that, that was showcased in the movie and they kind of brought that character back forward and i think she makes one or two appearances she's in one episode and i think she makes an appearance in, the, in another but it She's in charge of sending demons back. She actually performs an exorcism. Sends a demon back to hell. And Dream is kind of like... Talks to her. She kind of thinks he's a demon, but he's not. Obviously, he's... Um, so, it'd be kind of fascinating to see. I would love to see them dive more into that. I want them to give Constantine... A little bit more... Um shine in the next season uh, I would love Dream and Constantine to team up a couple of more times um, uh, you know that that whole setup 
was phenomenal. And when I love the fact that uh, Dream just traveled into the realm of hell, and he said that he was a guest, and he sought an audience with Morningstar, which they absolutely nailed that again. Um, they have been nailed. This is why the Sandman is good. They've been they nailed literally every aspect of the the writing and just the cameos and the different aspects of it there's so much there so much meat on the bones I couldn't believe it like every episode I was like damn is, who else is showing up like I hate when shows tease things and they just briefly mention this one full on was like okay this is part of our story this is also part of our story this is part of the story this happens here this is you know, this is that, and this is this. You know, the guy they put a lot of meat on the bone, so to speak. Um, but moving on, so you know, his interactions with Constantine, he gets back his sand. Uh, I love the episode where his ruby was causing madness with uh, the old man and the mother, and she had the annulet of protection. Uh, they end up passing that annulet uh, to another lady who. Which I'm assuming every single artifact like that, even in the Constantine movie, just causes damage to the people. Which humans are not supposed to wear that. It basically grants immortality as so long as you hold on to it. Um, it protects you from everything. So it's kind of fascinating to see that Corinthian tried to kill the mom of the wearing the amulet, and it sent him back to Dream World. But Dream wasn't there. He was out and he the nightmare of Corinthian took off again. Um, I love the episode where the Corinthian and the serials uh, had their own episode. That was a really good episode. Um, it's late in the scenes, like episode 8 or 9. Um, that episode was phenomenal because I, there is a serial convention and that was loosely had to do with serial killers. Um, and they all kind of worship the Corinthian. They kind of, you know, different. And that that was fat. That was a fascinating episode by itself. Especially when they got to like, okay, they're going to set this convention up. Uh, again, the episode where Sam the Dream enters hell and goes to talk to that. All that build up. They showed the hell world, which is something they didn't show in the Constantine movie. To you know, in depth, they kind of showed a little bit more in this Sandman series, and I, for one, was like, "Yo, like I want, I want it. I want a series based in hell, and not the corny one like we got in uh, Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina." Uh, that was cool too, but this one was a little bit. This one was done more correctly, in my opinion. They had demons that were looking um, rather ominous, and so did so did Morningstar, and so did you know several aspects of that. Who the, the lady they got, and I do not do not believe. I don't know. It's not the same person that was Morningstar in uh, or the devil or Satan, Lucifer in the Constantine movie. That was some dude in a white suit um but they got the look of what I would feel like Satan actually looks like Satan for all intents and purposes is still an angel he's just fallen from grace and you know probably felt every single emotion that you could possibly have imagined there being ever in existence he felt it all at once and continues to feel it. Pain, suffering, despair, demise, depression, anxiety. You know, if you follow the story correctly of the Bible. And the Bible is just one. The Bible, there's multiple. Because there's the Bible version of what is actually taught in scriptures. And then there's the analytic version of the Bible. Okay. The Bible left out just like any miniseries left out. Just like any movie left out big parts. What did Jesus do when he, from the time he was born? So they just skipped to he's a man. What did he do during his teenage years? 
Um, they just kind of glazed over, you know, that God cast out Satan, made a hell, and then just left, and then there's no story until basically the end of days. Uh, alleg- allegedly, he comes to tempt Jesus into, I guess, not dying. And that the, that's like, literally, the, you only hear from the devil so many times. You know, the snake. I mean, th- and then there's like, then there's a lot of nothing. There's a whole story that isn't told. Um, I know there is a book of the, the Satanic Bible. Uh, but you have to dis- discount that because that's just more of how to live your life. Uh, apart from religion. Um... But they don't really get into the story of it. This is more the Bible is more of a good goody two shoe story of how to live your life through a story. And and the Bible is for the most part discredited once you even bring up the notion of dinosaurs or you know, peering into space and looking at all the planets out there with quote unquote zero life. Um, and let alone we're not gonna even if we do get out there eventually and we do find life. It will not be. There will be no mention of it in the Bible, and religion will have been defeated. I believe religion has been defeated um, already, because we no longer need, or I mean, we still do need, but we no longer are tied to this earth. If mankind, for whatever reason, tomorrow stopped wars and built spaceships to get to outer space and to colonize. Space. We have the ability of all the tools in our hands to do so. We just opt not to because of profit or because of war, because of famine, because of, you know, racial prejudice, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of things that are home, are hindering the human conscious when it comes to advancing our, our humanity, our civilization, our dominion over, you know, we have sort of dominion over earth not really but we could definitely colonize the planets in outer space we have technology now we haven't quite figured out energy but I think that's on the but I'm getting too far out Um, the bible is disproved but there is a lot of story there that they don't talk about Um, there's a lot of characters that the bible has that they don't talk about in further detail I mean, Judas is another character. We could learn why they just Judas betrayed Jesus, and that was his, that was his story. Um, but there's that's le- a lot of it is left in interpretation. I mean, Judas could be sitting in hell. What's his story? You know, in hell, is he sitting at the side of Satan? You don't know these things. I mean, it's not written down, and the biblical fanatics won't bother to write another story um, but it was just fascinating to see this and they absolutely what I thought is a correct representation of uh, Satan which I did love um, I don't really see angels being angels to me are more feminine pardon that interruption but angels are a bit more feminine in essence I I kind of have that visual of angels being very graceful very heavenly very soft very well spoken and these are all traits I mean you can't have a man be very gracious smoky smooth silky smooth skin um, graceful but I think a woman is actually more representative of those things nurturing your guardian angel watching over you these are two. These are things to me that actually harkens to a mother taking care of a child. When you're a child, an infant, uh, months old or a year old, your mother is the one who comes and puts you in her warm bosom. She nurtures you. She feeds you. She bathes you. She is watching you. Your mother. Most of the times, this mother is doing that job, um, combing your hair, singing to you, talking to you. Whispering things to you, you know, to you, um, holding you, cradling you to sleep. These are all the traits that are of an angel. That's why I think angels are more 
feminine by design and you would have to you would have to say the you know Satan uh, Lucifer Morningstar the angel cast out the angel cast out of heaven would have been a woman or a feminine figure and they have they have that nailed down I, I aside from all the uh, comical cartoonish depictions of Satan being some uber evil dark figure goat you know I, I know people have seen the statue of Baphomet um, demon-esque figure I don't truly believe that that's what Satan looks like and there was a number of angels that fell with Satan I think heaven was divided in two if I'm Heaven was divided into two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so there's an army down there, if you believe that sort of thing. There's an army down there. And, then, and this is very much the case represented in Sandman as we get a little bit farther. Uh, and then becomes the meat and potatoes of what the Sandman is doing. And he gains back all his powers. He's trying to stop the Corinthian. Meanwhile, a vortex is sucking down everyone and everything in his realm and he's able to stop that and basically you know save the day at the end the last episode is more of him of a, a rebuilding of his world uh, which I found it, the, the ending of it was a little it was a little okay but they, they did save the best for last they kind of gave a season 2 preview a little extra teaser built right into the season which is phenomenal and there you have it we're going to get a war between desire, death hell the dream, the living perhaps Constantine all of it kind of gets crammed in there at the last as to okay they can pick any stepping stone um, and take it from there and that's something I did like about it again they built a whole world in this series and I would love to see it done again. Now, there is a little bit of a downside to this. I can't get over. Some of it was a little bit low budget. But I can't. But again, the, the low budget aspect of it fit it well. Um, there's some scenes where it's just people walking and talking and just going places and doing more talking and. A little bit of killings and you know like story there's a lot of story to it but it's really good um where they needed the money much like in prey where they needed to spend the money they did you know like the scenes in hell and the scenes in um dreams world they spent money there but in other parts of it it's kind of like just an average like i could have filmed it from my iphone type of thing so it's a little knock there yes and then also the uh a little knock at the end of the series. The last episode was kind of rather... Uh, they just kind of wrapped up the season. Not necessarily wrapped up the story. Um, because they never got back to Cain and Edward. They, they teased that baby gargoyle for like... Two minutes. Which I thought we were going to get more of... Actually more of that in the series than, than what we got. And actually... I'm fine with how this series turned out because it kind of took me for a loop. This is nothing like the trailer. Um, and it just just some things, you know, that they just don't get back to. They don't get back to Constantine uh, at all. Like, I think it's like she's in there and there's a picture or two of her. They kind of mention her again and they don't go back to her, which I, I guess they wouldn't need to. But I would have liked that again. Uh, just a little bit more. But it was fine. She got a whole episode. Uh, and I kind of wish that they dabbled a little bit more into his brothers and sisters. You see a couple of them. But they haven't yet really brought the whole... There's a whole bunch of them out there. Um, and I was like, oh man. like They, they could have done some of that. But overall, it was really good. I, I loved it. I loved the Sandman. Um, I kind of felt that it was really... The Raven God didn't get enough shine, in my opinion. Matthew uh, should have got more. I love the side care. Some of the other side characters, the twins, the goth taxidermy twins were pretty cool. Um, yeah, there's just a lot, a little bit more things I wish was in there. I don't know if maybe they'll do another 
season adds some more of these characters. But they built a lot. It's a good starting point. If I have to give it a grade, I'm going to give it like an 8.5. I would say an, almost a 9 on this. This was really good. Just as a fascinating story. And it was a fascinating turn of events for me in there. But I definitely give it an 8.5. This was a little bit better than Prey. As far as what you got. And this was also a really good story. This was a really good series. Uh, I give it two thumbs up. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. I, I give it two thumbs up. I loved watching it. Um, leaves me wanting more. Obviously, I could do a whole nother season today. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like... Okay, like... Awesome, let's do this. Um, but I give Sandman two thumbs up. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. Go and watch it. Um, it's amazing. Uh, come back and we'll talk some more stuff. Uh, we got Raiders coming down the pike soon. Season opener is just around the corner. Dodgers just around the corner. Um, all kinds of things. Stay tuned. And I'm back. And now it's Monday the 22nd. So let's get this episode built. Uh, House of Gucci. Uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Uh, features Lady Gaga features oh it's got our star cast Jared Leto it's got Al Pacino it's got um, I think it's Adam Driver Mm. but I kind of feel like the movie was a letdown um Story was very interesting. It was well, you know, I kind of see how people felt about some things. And overall, the ending of it was... I, I knew some one of the Gucci died. I didn't know who was going to die. Um, but overall, the movie was kind of a, a dud. Uh, and to me, what really, really threw me off is I don't know... I think Gucci is supposed to be an Italian brand. Um, And they had this cheap, cheesy, like, oh, it's a me, a Mario kind of talk the entire movie. And none of the actors really, I think, uh, knew what they were doing. And it just sounds really phony they like um it sounds the dialogue sounds incredibly bad at times uh i don't know why you know they should have just kept them in an american language you know or maybe took some classes you know to sound a little bit more italian i think that they're i think they're from italy if I'm not mistaken, um, but they had that. They had a really shitty. Uh, voice coach, I guess, and it showed. I mean, just the whole time, I, I, I thought they were gonna be like, wah, 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 and and you know, I I swear to God, the entire time, I was thinking, Luigi and Mario were gonna show up. Not that it wasn't serious. The movie was very interesting, but I just couldn't get over the, the dialogue. It was just, just how it sounded. It just sounded incredibly, uh, incredibly hor- horrific. Uh, and that was, that was with everybody. Um, that that's just something that I can't believe they allowed to happen. Uh, but with that said, I mean, overall, the story of Gucci. I mean, if you if you watched the movie, I mean, I'm not even gonna get into the movie. Lady Gaga is fine, you know. Visually, she she killed the role. Visually, she looks like an Italian um, mob boss, you know, wife. She looks the part. 
Um, obviously, she can act, but I don't know. The, the, the direction they used to do the dialogue was just absolutely horrific. Absolutely horrific. And I think she was underutilized um, in the movie. I think really she was underutilized and Adam Driver also was underutilized he probably had the best version of a character on the movie you know it to me it seemed like he like his his Italian dialogue his Italian accent his accent wasn't that far off from you know okay it's kind of him it's kind of Italian it's kind of it's not over the top but it's there he had the best audibly the, be- the best audible accent on on the set Al Pacino but he he was only in there for I mean a little bit of the movie and you know his dialogue was good But the rest of the movie, Jerry Leto's dialogue was hor- horrible. So was um, Lady Gaga's accent, and so was several other characters in the in the show. The, the accents were just off, and, and that and in Adam Driver's accent was off too. Uh, Maurizio Gucci, his his accent was off too. Just wasn't as off as everybody else's. Uh. But again, with that said, he was underutilized, I think, in the movie. Um, the pacing of it was a li- at times a drug. Um, seemed like it didn't, some parts didn't even need to be in there. Other parts, I was like, wow, they, they just kind of like, like to me, they, they, the story of Lady Gaga's character is. Maurizio's wife she goes from you know but I don't know if they if they made it they made it seem like she's a gold digger uh, maybe she met him at the bar or at the dance bar and then like was stalking him I guess Um, and then Maritza just kind of wanted to like marry her right off the bat I don't know they, there was a little bit of story there missing um, they could have done a little bit better with that but they go from being lovers and then she wants to wanting basically she's driving him to be part of Gucci and he didn't want nothing to do with it and then from there her, her evil Villainous uh, descent. It just, it just, you know. It t- I guess it takes it's over. I don't know. They make it seem like 10, 10 years or something. Her descent into madness um, isn't really shown that well. You know, it just kind of happens. So I didn't. I think when they didn't really. Uh, do that that well that, that's just kind of like I said there's the, the story was kind of clunky paced uh, at best um, so I mean and then ultimately she puts the hit out on him he dies the he they convince the other members of the Gucci family to sign their assets over to in I think it was a Arabian company and then they punk Maurizio at the last two well actually they didn't get his half initially he, he they ended up dying and then they acquired his half um, because there was nobody left alive well actually that's not even true because it took a couple years to get Lady Gaga's character arrested um, which I think at that moment, then yes, it was 
essentially the Gucci name died right then and there, literally with Maurizio. I think that was named Maurizio. But, it, you know, and then it just tells you at the end that no living member of the Gucci family is in control of, of the Gucci brand. The Gucci brand, they bought them for like $150 million. And now it's estimated at $60 billion. Um, which I was like, damn, I didn't know that. I thought, you know, the Gucci still had control of the Gucci brand. And I didn't know that not a single member of the Gucci family is in there. And that must suck, man. Because one of the brothers, the one of the cousins died in poverty in England. Another one was shot and killed. The wife was sent to prison for like 20-some years. The uncle died of cancer. I mean, the dad died. I mean, all... It's a lot of tragedy in that family money, but... You know, it's what it is. I mean... I personally don't... I don't own anything Gucci, nor do I care to buy any Gucci clothing or anything. Um, and this movie didn't really do it justice. It really didn't... I thought the story was going to be better, with, but it, it just wasn't. Uh, and... I don't know. I kind of feel like... I yeah, This is a movie, too. I'm on the bubble of giving it a bad grade. And giving it... Okay grade. But I, I'm going to say it's like a 6 out of a 10. Um, because it is a little interesting. Um, just seeing how the family diamond dynamic work. And how they sort of might have played out in real life. Obviously, nobody knows. But the, the latter half of the movie... Like... From about the point of where Maurizio really wants to start acquiring the Gucci brand, so that way he could turn it around um, until basically the end. Is that part is good? First half of the story kind of again again was clunky, um, but I mean it has to be there. I mean, they, but this should have been done. This. This might have been better as like a mini series or a Netflix thing, um, with another hour of story that they left out and maybe some big drama along the way. Uh, but that you know, whatever. Um, but overall, yeah, yeah, it wasn't that good. It just was not good. So I mean, if you if you just want to casually watch it, do so. But don't expect some great phenomenal story like earth shattering like you didn't know that or you see some different twist about gucci now it's pretty straightforward the movie uh just shows them basically the gucci family losing the gucci brand and in a tragic way um and that's it i mean but you would think what i just said would be a little bit more interesting but that movie makes it seem a little not interesting. Um, it's just what it is. Like it just, you know, I don't know that much about Gucci in general. Maybe maybe this movie killed in Italy. But then again, I don't know if you're Italian or you're from, you know, England or Spain or Germany. You're watching this movie and you're saying, God damn, these American actors completely suck at a fucking Italian accent. It was sounded goofy at points. It was just, a, it was sounded goofy. Like, The Godfather was totally different because they pretty much let the people just speak in their own accents. Even though they were Italian immigrants. But I mean, I guess, we're, but I mean, technically, Gucci, they were speaking English too, with a heavy accent. So I don't know why they didn't just go that route. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how hard is it for the actors to memorize some lines in Italian and, you know, to show the transition. Like, they would say ciao, but that was it. Like, Literally, that was the only Italian word I think they said was ciao. 
like they couldn't get like a hello or an I love you like you know sprinkle it in there like I don't know the direction of that was a little off a little little off um but yeah just a 6 out of a 10 guys um thank god I didn't spend no money in the theaters to watch it you know I wanted to I actually wanted to really watch it in movie theaters but didn't get around to it uh but moving on so I wanted to talk about some concerts and stuff, but uh, we're gonna switch gears. Talk a little bit about this Raiders drama that's been unfolded the last couple of days. Um, supposedly, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski were gonna be Las Vegas Raiders members back in 2020, um, and it kind of sent Raider Nation into a downward spiral. I got texts from friends. You know, saying like, oh, I'm just salty that Tom Brady wasn't part of my team. And I didn't win a Super Bowl. And let's go back to 2020 Raiders season. Were we going to win the Super Bowl in Las Vegas? No. No. Come on. I think that year was a COVID year and nobody even attended the games. And we faltered down the end of the season and that was and that was after we started and had an incredible start I think we were like 63 or something at one point and we finished what like I don't know it was like 9 and 7 or something like that we lost a lot of games at the end of the stretch there um, and that's been happening to us and would have Tom Brady made a difference? Possibly. But we're going to get to the Super Bowl and win it? Absolutely not. No. Um, our defense just was not there. Our defense was bad. I think that year, too. We were getting ran over, like, every which way. Uh, does that have to... Does that mean... Does Tom Brady come in and fix the defense? And, and then people start, you know, tightening, tightening the ship, so to speak, with him at the helm? Possibly. Does that equate to a Super Bowl win? No. And on top of that, I applaud John Gruden for the decision he made in in telling Brady to uh, essentially fuck off uh, and blow up the deal. Like, good. If that's John Gruden's, if that's his lasting, the final lasting, I mean, that... That money he got paid in time that was to me I, I, I he deserves he deserves a handshake and he deserves a beer on beer on that as far as I'm concerned because I don't know there's a lot of Raider fans everywhere on Twitter and what have you that were like damn he we got we lost the Super Bowl champion I don't we were not gonna win the Super Bowl championship we just weren't and on top of that. Uh, it's just so alarming to me to see the, the amount of nut and dick riding that the Raider Nation does over that man. And I'm like, nah, like, he's the enemy. He went to the one team where it actually made sense for him to go because, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots have zero history. Zero. Like, and it's not even like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a, a hated franchise like the Packers or the Cowboys or the Steelers. Like, if Tom Brady would have went there, any of those teams, I would have hated them team, teams even more. Um, but he went to the one team, I kind of feel that... I mean, if he would have went to the Lions, that, it's the same thing. He could have went to the Browns, he could have went to the Lions, he could have went to the Bucks, he could have went to any number of these random teams and it, but he went to the Bucks, and it actually makes sense because the New Orleans Saints had been villainous for a number of years so had the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers and the scrub team of the whole division was the Bucks. but the Bucks had been playing good you know um, just to have Jameis Winston um, but yeah, he went to the one team where it kind of made sense for him to go. It made all the sense in the world. 
So I don't really think John Gruden came in and just blew up the deal and said, no, we're not taking Brady. Um, I think it was one of those things where, like, Brady was already out the door, like, nah, I'm not going to play with the Raiders. And then the Gruden probably stepped in and was like, nah, we don't want you here anyways. And that was that. Um, but there's a lot of noise surrounding it. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah, eh. Just it's that's all it is to me is white noise, um, and but it's just alarming to see so many Raider fans like, oh my god, like Tom Brady could have been a Raider, like, and they would have you would have loved it. Nah, thank God I didn't even have to entertain the thought of sitting down and, and celebrating a Super Bowl with that man at at the helm. I'd rather take my chances. I'd rather just. Frank, to be frank, I'd rather not do anything with any of the Patriots. And actually, I don't even like the coach now, Josh McDaniels, because he comes from the Patriot heritage. And he, and he was a Bronco coach. So, I mean, to me, it's just like, you know, it's just one of these hunky-dory things where I'm like, like, oh, man, I wish I had a different coach. And I... I I'm not even a full believer in Josh McDaniels. Um, I don't know if he's grown as a head coach type or an offensive coordinator. I don't think he's grown at all. Um, people are pretty much well, well aware of that tight end scheme that the Patriots run and had going with Waller or uh, Gronkowski and Hernandez. People are already well aware of that, and I'm just to me, it's like I think he's gonna try to gonna come and try to replicate that. And I'm like, well, we don't have a, really a second tight end, and on top of that, I mean, our defense isn't Belichick's defense either. That's one thing I'll say is Belichick had a good defense all the years, one of the best. Um, uh, statistically, any time they stepped on the field, they were one of the best defensive teams. I mean, I don't know where they're at now. Post Tom Brady, I think they're still pretty good, but the, the offense isn't there. Um, but at the same time, you know, to me, it's kind of like I, I would not have ever accepted Tom Brady as uh, part of the Raider team. Uh, I would have been mad. I, and I'm glad I didn't even have to entertain that as a, as a Raider fan. I'm glad John Gruden nipped it in the butt. I'm glad, you know, I'm just really glad and really thankful that that never happened. And this story broke and it kind of went everywhere. And it's just so weird to see the Raider fans like, we could have had Brady, but it was Gruden's fault. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Gruden did the right thing. Gruden did the right thing there. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, aside from his emails that got leaked that perhaps shouldn't have been leaked, uh, you know, the man would still be our coach if, you know, the investigation into Dan Snyder's, and I mean, it's a whole mess. And one day, I think it'll, it'll come to light that, as far as I'm concerned, John Gruden didn't, I mean, his his racial remarks were actually pretty bad. But everything else he said, uh, it wasn't that bad. Uh, I guarantee you, there's coaches and other owners that call Roger Goodell every name in the book. On every team, on every problem, and every other given Sunday, and you know what? Um, that's not enough to get fired. Uh, and let alone the NFL. I I know I've been begging for the R rated or the TVMA version of the NFL for a long time. I just want. I I personally, Last Chance You on Netflix was just. It was so refreshing to see the coaches screaming, calling. You know, motherfuckers and bitches and get your lazy ass. I want to hear that. Because I think that's real. I think the version of the NFL you get now 
is this watered down, like, try to be like, bring your kids to the game and and you're going to have a hot dog like a baseball game and, you know, you're going to cheer when your team scores and you're going to boo when they get a bad call um, type of deal. And they wanted, but down in the nuts and bolts of it, this is, you know, just like boxing. I, I would love boxing. This is one one thing boxing and UFC does a little bit better than the NFL. Is that you know when the fighters on the fight, you get the juicy intervals calling each other like, oh, you know, they talk that that they talk that shit, and they and they do it in front of the cameras, and they it's TVMA. But, you know, we get this fucking, you know, this version of the NFL where I know in the locker rooms that when the team's getting blown, I know the coaches over there hooting and hollering and, and cussing out players. And, hey, get your fucking ass to block. Put a fucking, put some fucking hands on that fucking rusher. You know, catch the fucking ball. God damn. I don't know. You know, I would love to see that. I would love to see the sideline, you know, expletives as well. You know, I want to see, you know, what's going on in the huddle. I want to hear that. I want, But I want to hear, I don't want to hear it censored. Uh, and with that said, I mean, I, I just know. I just know, like, at every instant, there's at least a thousand. No, maybe not that. Maybe about a hundred F-bombs dropped per game minimum, easily easily a hundred if not 500 times i, I want to say it's in a couple hundred times maybe even thousands um and i just know i would i would love the r-rated version of it um but i don't know i mean I, they they really took offense to uh, you know they had the lid on it with gruden's rate but then it, it blew over when, it, when he was calling goodell a pussy so uh Again, that's not enough. To me, that's not enough. That shouldn't have been enough. Uh, but with all that said, um, yeah, I got to tip my hat to Gruden for that one. Thank God. Because deep down, the Raiders, deep down, there's no love lost between uh, the Raiders and Patriots and Brady and Belichick and just any Raider in general. And uh, I thank God I didn't have to entertain none of that. So well, that's it, guys. I'm going to get this episode posted up. Catch you guys on the next one. Um, be seeing you guys pretty soon. Hopefully, we get you know another episode here. I'm watching other shows, another series, and we'll talk about some concerts coming up. All right, guys, late.